This is the 99X podcast. Tune in to RTN Tech Sessions every Thursday for practical approaches and solutions to all things tech. Hello, everyone. Welcome you all to another session on React, uh, which is conducted by the TN Tech Initiative of 99X. And in today's session, uh, we will be discussing about uh, Redux and the uh, usages of React and Redux. And along with me, there will be a colleague of mine joining uh, today's session, Heshan Jaisinger. Welcome, Heshan. Hi, Gangesh. Hello, everyone. Welcome for another React session. And it's really nice to be back on the Tech session again. All right. That's true. That's very true, Heshan. So, yes, let's dive in. So, Gangesh, our last episode, we strictly focused on React. But the trend really is to use React with Redux. Am I right? So, what is your experience with Redux? And uh, what do you think as the reason for React developers to favor Redux to use along React? Yes, Sashan. So, to begin with, uh, I'll start off with why uh, we developers uh, prefer, to go, uh, prefer to use Redux. So, as you know, uh, JavaScript has been evolving over the past few years, right? And uh, JavaScript single-page applications have become uh, increasingly complicated, I would say, and which is because um, our code has to manage more state than ever before. And uh, this state can include server responses and cache data, and as well as uh, locally created data as well. But uh, it also consists of um, complexity uh, re related to active routes, selected tabs, spinners, or any UI related component. So the management of this state becomes very difficult. And for example, just think about a scenario where when you trigger an event, it's basically updating a model, which in turn uh, executes a, a bunch of code lines, which will at the tail end be updating another view. So in such scenarios, you actually don't know what's actually happening to to your main state, right? For example, in React, uh, if you are supposed to render certain components based on a state's value, you lose track of it and you end up no, not knowing when, why, or how your state is being manipulated. And when a system is uh, in such a non-deterministic state, it will be difficult for you to reproduce bugs or even add new features. And uh, when working with front-end applications, we m work mainly with two, uh, two concepts, I would say. One is called mutation and the other one is called asynchronicity. So as you all are well aware, mutation is basically uh, changing or updating a certain value or state, whereas asynchronicity is basically executing certain things in parallel. Uh, considering these two concepts, they are great in separation, I would say, but uh, pretty difficult to understand and reason about when they are put together. Uh, so I would say libraries like React attempt to solve this problem in the view layer by removing both asynchrony and uh, direct DOM manipulation. However, managing the state of your data is basically left up to the developer. So this is where Redux enters. Redux attempts to make state mutations predictable by imposing certain restrictions on how and when updates can take, take place. And by having such a state management library attached with our 
application we are able to monitor and even uh, it helps us to debug our application on how uh, certain components are being rendered and along with the redux redux library we also have something called the redux toolkit so the redux toolkit is, is kind of a developer tool which can be used to uh, manage states or even manipulate them by setting the uh, previous and current values so when you toggle between these two values you are able to see how your components are reacting and how they are being re-rendered on uh, each value cool so it's clear that redux can be used as a mechanism to manage data and state globally throughout the application but even we have the luxury of using the individual component state as well so my question is is it must to use redux in each and every time when we need to manage the state well, that is a very good question, Heshan. So there is no golden rule which indicates that if you are working with React, you should uh, definitely include the Redux library as well. As I mentioned earlier, the purpose of the Redux library is different. The purpose of it is to manage the application state as a whole. So for example, think of a scenario where you are only using React without uh, the Redux library. So when you define different components at different levels and you want to access a certain set of data from one of the components at the top level uh, to one of the components at the bottom level. So to pass the data, you'll have to pass it through props from one component to another. In other words, we call this as the prop tilling approach, right? And if this data is being, being utilized by many other components in several other parts of the application, You'll have to do this prop tilling approach all over your application, which will be a very inconvenient approach, right? So rather doing such thing, you, what we can do is we can hold this data in a global state or an application state. And thereafter, we can uh, make these components uh, subscribe to that state and get the necessary data. So that's what we are doing in Redux. So Redux has its own uh, capabilities to uh, pass or to uh, return this data on uh, request and components by using these methods available in the redux library can uh, react or even get the data as per their needs so even though we discussed the same topic last time i feel like this topic is more relevant for today's discussion what i feel is a react context and redux have many similarities so what is your experience on that well, Heshan, uh, with the uh, React version 16.3, the new improved context API was also released. And unlike the old one, uh, this was recommended for production usage. And uh, the main purpose of this context was to act as a dependency injector. So basically what happens here is you can uh, scope it to a portion of your React component tree and you can inject values to it. So those values will be only applicable to the uh, subtree and uh, the components within that subtree can uh, access those values. So for example, if the only thing you needed to do is to uh, pass data for a specific uh, set of components, let's say like uh, five to 10 components in, in your entire application, 
well then you can go ahead with react context because that is what it was intended to intended to do but uh, in case you want to make this data available for the entire application that is for all the components in your react application then i would say that redux will be the best suited one and uh, many people get confused whether to use context or redux but uh, that is because i think um, uh, many i mean some of the developers uh, especially the ones in the beginners level think that the react context itself is kind of a state management system but uh, in reality it's actually not it's just a dependency injection mechanism where you can put a value you want in the context and uh, you can uh, assign it to, uh, to a set of components in your uh, entire component tree structure so as we have been discussing about redux and the usages of react context and so on uh Hishan, you might be familiar with uh, some of the components of redux right so to set up the redux store and to integrate redux with the react library we have several features which are provided by the redux so to start off with uh, how will you elaborate your experience on these redux store yes so we talked about the requirement of a centralized data store that any of the components within the app can have directly access. So basically the store is a JSON object that holds the status of the whole application. So if you hand over state management Redux, the store uh, will have the complete state at the moment of an application. So we can input the store to the application by providing it to the root element. So uh, everything from the, their own will be handled by the store. So as we have been discussing about Redux and the usages of it, we have also seen some of the uh, benefits of React context as well. But uh, Redux has some unique qualities which uh, we as developers prefer to go for it. And to start off with, uh, it has many components which enable us to uh, fulfill some of our requirements as well, right? So in that case, Ashan, what is your opinion uh, about the Redux store? Before talking about the store, let's check what really is the state is. State is a simple key value pair object. Let's say you have a shape component. So a shape can have properties like a, a area, a shape name, and a shape type likewise, right? So if the shape is a really React component, those type of properties can be recognized as state properties. And the page only re-renders once any of the state properties get changed. So you should put the parameter to state properties if the app needs to be get re-rendered once any of them gets changed. But once the application gets complex, we may need to keep some state properties in common. So with that requirement, a centralized data store is mandatory. That's where the concept of a store comes in. So any of the components within the app can access the object called store directly. So basically, the store is a JSON object that holds the state of the whole application. If you hand over the state management to Redux, the store will have the complete state of the application at a certain time. So we can input the store to the application by providing it to the root element. So re-rendering will be managed by the store from there. 
So Heshan, uh, as you have mentioned, the store and the state within the store is being used by the uh, by our React application to render specific parts of the uh, component on change or when the values are updated, right? So how is it possible for us to manipulate the store values in the uh, in Redux? So basically, is there? I mean, are the what are the functionalities provided by Redux to update this Redux store and the state? Or the or what we call the global state within itself. Right, the reducer is the function that uh, handles the state changes. The store is created from the outputs of multiple reducers. So once there is a new event occurs which uh, affect the previous state, reducer should handle how the state should behave according to the event, and then it should output its part, uh, particle of the state. So Heshan, uh, as you have been talking about the reducers functionality available in Redux, we also have something uh, else called the action, right, in Redux. So this action is basically a, a plain object which is used to change the state, which is being utilized by our React application. So can you please uh, elaborate uh, about this functionality as well? Yes, Kangesh, as you already have an idea about the reducers, so those reducers accept actions as their input for considering a state change. Action is a simple object having properties like a type and a payload. So type can be used to categorize the events and recognize the intended reducer. And even we can use action creators where there are simple methods that used to create action objects. So we do not need to create them manually. So yes, Sashan. So as you mentioned, the actions and reducers have been elaborated uh, as intended to be. And I think we have discussed all the core terms of Redux, right? So whatever we need to set up Redux and how the functionality of Redux can be inherited uh, in our React application. So considering all these aspects, uh, can you please tell us how we can uh, structure our code or structure the components in Redux. All right, so this is totally up to the development team to decide on what is the most suitable structure for their application for um, structure the Redux components. So basically as a good practice, you can have a separate reduce for each main section of your application, and then you can categorize actions relevant for each reducer. And even you can categorize those action creators considering the reducer that they are intended to uh, work on. So that's uh, basically uh, up to developers to uh, decide on and design a Redux structure. All right. Uh, in that case, Hashan, so at, uh, currently you know uh, many of our latest applications, whether it's Re React or Angular or any applications, we also follow this uh, threadings or asynchronously when developing applications, right? So the basic idea there is to uh, increase the performance and also to run parallel uh, API calls or parallel tasks to reduce the execution time. So how can we implement this asynchronously or does uh, Redux have anything to accommodate uh, asynchronous functionality? So in Redux, what we can do is dispatching an action with data in it, so reducer can catch it and change the data. So if there's anything asynchronous to be happened before action dispatching, we need to execute it separately. 
and then grab the result and dispatch the data again. As an example, if we need to update the state from the result of an HTTP call, we need to execute the HTTP call separately, wait for the result and then create an action object and dispatch. So how about dispatching the asynchronous function from the component itself? So the async function can handle everything from there on. So that's where thunk to the rescue app. So thunk is a middleware that fits be between an action being dispatched and the action reaching the reducer. So it's really quite easy and less messy with the luxury of directly dispatch, dispatching the async function instead of handling them separately. Even it allows us to uh, avoid directly causing side effects in our actions, action creators or components. So Nishan, uh, when talking about this dispatch functionality of Redux, so we have been using this dispatch functionality to dispatch actions, and by doing so, we are able to update our Redux store or maybe this uh, global state itself. So how are we supposed to set up our code for to dispatch functions and maybe to uh, use asynchronous actions? So syntax is really the same how you call the dispatch method in both instances. So it could be getting either a function or a, or an action object, but it's really the thunk who handles the two different inputs. Like it checks whether the input is a function. So if so, it executes the function. So the function body can dispatch the data action. Or else, if it is an object, it dispatches the regular synchronous actions. So reducers can grab it. So here we are back to hooks. So Gangesh, can you elaborate on the inbuilt hooks that introduced to work with those Redux components? Yes, Sashan. So as per last session, uh, React's new hooks API gives uh, function components the ability to use a local component state, execute side effects and more, right? So it also provides us another ability for the developers to write custom hooks which lets us extract uh, reusable hooks to add our own behavior on top of the React's built-in hooks. So React Redux is a library, as we have mentioned before, includes its own custom hook APIs, which allow our React components to subscribe to the React Redux store and dispatch those actions. So we can start by wrapping our entire application in a provider component that is basically at our root app component where we can use the provider uh, JSX to make the store available throughout our component tree. And from there on, we can import any of the listed uh, React Redux hooks uh, and use those APIs within our function components. So. For example, we have uh, three hooks which are provided by the React Redux library itself. So those three can be defined as use selector, use dispatch, and the use store hook. So to start off with, we have the use selector hook, which allows us to extract data from the Redux store state using a selector function. Uh, this selector function should be pure since it is potentially executed multiple times at arbitrary points. Uh, and also we should keep in mind that this selector will be called with the uh, entire Redux store state as its only argument. And it will be run whenever the function component renders, unless its uh, reference hasn't changed since the previous render, 
of the components so that a cache result can also be returned by the hook without uh, running the selector. So by having such capability, we can avoid uh, making unnecessary API calls or maybe uh, any or maybe even reduce the number of uh, DB calls which we have to make to get certain set of data. And uh, based on this uh, components rendering functionality, the use selector acts accordingly and we can get the result as uh, intended. Uh, the use selector hook, uh, as I mentioned earlier, all the, uh, has also been subscribing to the Redux store. And when we run the selector, an, an action is also being dispatched. So based on these actions, the, the, I mean, we are defining a, maybe an API call within those actions to be executed. And speaking about some of the uh, key features of the use selector hook, the selector may return any value as a result, not just an obje object. And uh, the return value of the selector will be used as the return value of the uh, use selector hook itself. And uh, the second point is that uh, when an action is dispatched, the uh, use selector hook will do a reference comparison of the previous selector result value and the current uh, result value. So if they are different, the component will be forced to re-render. Uh, if they are the same, the component will be the same. I mean, it won't have the necessary to be re-rendered. Um, the selector function does not receive an uh, own props argument either. So however, the props can be used through closure uh, or by using a curried selector. And uh, also we should keep in mind that extra care must be taken when using uh, memoising selectors, because uh, as you uh, uh, all are aware, we discussed about this use memo and use callback hooks in our previous session, right? And those are actually used for performance reasons. So we when we are using those with selectors also, we should uh, be a bit careful. Um, and the last point which I would like to highlight is that the use selector uses the strict reference equality, that is uh, this uh, the three equal signs to check by default. Um, uh, and not it doesn't use uh, shallow equality. So basically it is used to, uh, I mean, you know, compare the values which are being rendered uh, based on the components uh, rendering process. And uh, moving on to the second hook uh, of the React Redux library, such as the uh, use dispatch hook. So this hook returns a reference to the dispatch functionality of the Redux store. And uh, as developers, we might have seen the usages of this hook, right? So we have, uh, for example, we have used it uh, when we have the need to uh, dispatch actions. And uh, yeah, to, for those purposes, we can use the use dispatch hook, which is uh, available or which is provided by the React Redux library itself. And moving on to the the other hook, which is the use store hook. Uh, the use store hook returns a reference to the same Redux store that was passed into the provider component. So the provider component or the JXX uh, provider is something which we define at our root component uh, or the app component at the uh, tail or the beginning of our application. So our application is actually encapsulated by this provider component, which will give us the ability to access the Redux store and so on. Uh, but speaking about this use store hook, uh, this hook should probably not be used very frequently. 
and uh, it is preferred if the use selector hook can be used as our primary choice. But uh, also we should keep in mind that uh, this use store hook can also be useful for less common scenarios that to require access to the store, such as like, um, for example, replacing reducers and so on. Nice, Ganesh. That was really good explanation on how to use hooks along with Redux. Thank you, Heshan. With that, we shall conclude today's session. And I hope everyone got a clear idea on how to use and when to use React with Redux. And we shall meet you guys in another podcast session. Bye for now.